Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got our Counterpoint. Ish point. We got Anthony Fury of SunPose Media, columnist, of course, and uh, comment editor. You can listen to him here. We're trying to get Bob Richardson having some trouble with his phone. So as soon as we get him, if we get him, uh, we will continue. Hello there. I told Bob not to use Huawei. <laughs> well, maybe he's uh, maybe he's in Mississauga trying to help Mr. Trudeau. Um, Mr. Trudeau is in Mississauga tonight trying to rally up the uh, troops, and he's portraying Premier Doug Ford and Conservative leader Andrew Scheer. Um, you know, as irresponsibly fueling anger and division to score political points. And I get it. You, <laughs> you want to play to your base. But he was saying, you know, it's he was talking about the, the budget being loaded with cuts and all the rest of it. And these draconian cuts are going to be taken to the federal level. Take a listen to kind of the tone of Mr. Sonny Ways. Yesterday, he announced his first budget loaded with cuts, cuts to services for farmers, cuts to services for Franco-Ontarians, for seniors, for post-secondary students, for indigenous peoples, for children, and for all those who rely on community social services. There you go. So clearly the tone of the election is not going to be quite what I think the prime minister set initially out in the beginning of the year of being positive and staying above Oh, but he always teed that up for us because back in January before Lapscam broke, he would make these speeches and he made a number of them at a number of events. He said, I got to warn you guys, this upcoming campaign, I'm taking the high road, I'm going clean, but it's going to be one of the nastiest campaigns ever because those guys are going to be dirty. Who I, I mean, those white supremacist, knuckle dragging <laughs> Nazi, but, but I'm not going to do name calling and I'm going to take that. And you think you roll your eyes and go, come on, give me a break. And Lapscam hasn't turned out so well for him and he seems to be lashing out a bit. The thing that I find most interesting, whether it's just this stuff, I mean, they clearly haven't upgraded their talking points. They thought the budget would be X, Y, and Z and, and it wasn't. So it's kind of silly from that perspective, but also that he's out there doing this thing. He's now tweeting about uh, the conservatives and, and white supremacy and so forth. The prime minister should not be saying these things. It's one thing to delegate it to your proxies or to say, oh, we know we got a liberal strategist on the radio. Maybe they can say all this. It makes the prime minister look pretty dirty. It makes them look pretty Nixonian in in, in the least appetizing of ways. And and, and it's getting incredibly unsavory. I think so, too, because there's already this very polarized division. And it's been brewing for a while. And just the last six months, I think it's just gotten really ugly. And to suggest that uh, Andrew Scheer, who, you know, uh, may not be strong enough in his condemnation of certain things, um, to suggest that he is a neo-Nazi, Nazi or, you know, white nationalist, you're basically calling half the country a Nazi. And that to me is it's not only stupid, it's dangerous. And then you're really watering down what Nazism is. And Jews know exactly what it is. If everyone's a Nazi, then no one's a Nazi. Yeah, it's completely uh, belittling to the notion. And the frustrating thing, you know, check the tapes, check my columns of 10 years. I've never once, I've said I have a problem with this person's policy. The debt is going to drive us this way. It's horrible that we drew the jets from uh, ISIS, but the ISIS fight. But I don't, who goes around and says, you're a bad person? You're a bad human being because that's what this is. And yeah. Alex, I'm I'm all for brass knuckles sure. politics combating over public policy Absolutely. issues. But this increasing idea that politics is just about calling the other person a rotten scumbag and you shouldn't vote for them because you are a scumbag. 
I'm not doing that. Justin Trudeau, I have met the guy a couple times, but I don't really know the guy, so I can't tell you anything about his character. I'm not going to say anything about him. Maybe he's a, a nice guy. I don't know anything about him. I just have problems with his policies. Right. Well, right. But I also have uh, an issue with weaponizing the word racism and For shutting sure. debate using it. And we're doing that far, far too often. Here's another kind of taste of of how the tone of the speech went. It didn't sound like it didn't really actually sound like a rally. It kind of sounded like uh, the the end is near. Conservative politicians like Doug Ford and Andrew Scheer don't seem to believe in investing for the future. They only think as far as the next election, not the next generation. Well, that will never be our approach. We will fight for the middle class for today and for tomorrow. This notion, and for whatever reason, um, you know, Andrew Scheer, conservatives allowed to happen, have allowed themselves to be painted as People just just don't care. Just don't care. It's all about cuts, 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 and power and power and power, which is beyond me. And I think what you got to do, though, in, in this position, there's so many stories right now, overreaches from the left. I know we've got others we're going to talk about later uh, during Counterpoint. Justin Trudeau saying all these, oh, white supremacy. Eventually, you just kind of got to laugh. Like, I think you just got to laugh these guys out of town. I mean, not take a lot of this stuff seriously, these over-the-top uh, talking points and this, oh, pass the smelling salts, Doug but Ford is doing this and that. all of the liberal, like you had Bill Blair, Christian Freeland, these are, C- they've got, he's got cabinet ministers uh, the immigration minister, who where they're insinuating the neo-Nazism and the white nationalism. Bill to Blair, me, who used well, to be <laughs> police our streets as the chief police officer, is banning around this this stuff. Where you know sometimes the police do actually have to go and break down the actual serious, uh, you know, skinhead groups. And he yeah. should know from policing in Toronto and unfortunately in the '80s and early '90s, we had that stuff going on, yeah. and we need to crack down on them. And he's saying that that is akin to what Andrew Shear talking about the carbon tax. I mean. It's shameful on Bill Blair. It really is. Yeah. I mean, there's lots to go after Andrew Scheer on, which, I, which you know, you don't have to go down that route. Um, but speaking of, of the middle class, because you hear Mr. Trudeau talk about the middle class, there was a study out today um, basically saying millennials are not going to be getting into the middle class, which starts at 29,000 and goes to about 78,000. They are not even going to get into the middle class in their 20s. And the middle classers, and I consider myself one of those, we are moving so far back and kind of, you know, being um, squeezed by huge housing costs, huge education costs. The job skills aren't there to, to kind of compete with the digital economy. Um, so this notion that the middle class can be fought for, the divide is just growing. Yeah, and it depends whether it's rural or urban. Right. Obviously, that $29,000 goes a lot further in a small town. Yeah. Here in Toronto, it's, it sounds like a heartless thing to say to someone who's only making thirty k. but if you're making hundred and eighty k, it doesn't go very it far in this far. city if you have dependents, yeah. if you have a mortgage, and all that kind of stuff. I can't imagine living in a city like Toronto on a low income. It's a cruel city. I don't, it's know, how ex- do I don't know how people do it. It is so, so hard, and I feel for them because it's it's almost impossible to keep up. And, you know, this is Friday night. You want to yeah. take the family out. You're paying for parking. You're waiting in traffic for hours. You get to the movie theater. All the kids want their own little popcorn and treats, so it's $12 each for that. The tickets, you know, you're looking at over 100 bucks $100? just to go That's out like for the, the night. That's a lot of money. Just to go out yeah. for the night with your family in this city. Yeah, it is um, It is concerning because we hear, and it'll be like this in the next campaign season where it's all about the middle class and the middle class. 
at some point, someone from the middle class has got to say, you know, we're not buying this anymore yeah. because it's not getting easier. We're not getting by. And the and the distance between the haves and the have not is just continually increasing. I also think we have to have societal conversations as well because politicians are also partially following our lead. So why are we accepting, you know, back in the day, you didn't need to go to university. And these guys who are now CEOs of these big insurance firms and Goldman Sachs and everything, like a lot of them didn't even go to university. Now we're expecting people to have multiple different degrees. They don't finish school until they're 30. Why are we letting uh, the academic world tell us that that's the way things need to be, massively indebting people? Other statistics, you look at the fact, you know, back when I was a kid, we only went out for dinner on special occasions. Now, uh, restaurant association surveys say people are eating out like when you include breakfast at Tim's, people are eating out like 12 times uh, a, a day. So people actually, 12 times a week, people actually don't spend their money the way they used to as well. And they have to, people have to have serious conversations with themselves and their family budgeting as well. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the budget. I know you're not happy with the budget. There's still a lot of fallout from it, that it just doesn't go far enough, certainly if you're a conservative. That's why I kind of laugh when you hear all the liberals today talking about the draconian (laughs) cuts, because I'm like, why? I would have liked a few cuts and we didn't get any. Let me say this. I've been a little upset the past 24 hours because for the past decade or so, I've been writing on these issues. I've been reading the policy papers from the Fraser Institute, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. I've been talking at the Manning Conference and those places. And what they what has been happening, Alex, for the past 10 years in the conservative movement is people have said, we just just get us at that Ontario budget. We will just tear our teeth into it. We want it. We're going to do zero based budgeting. We're going to reform the pension system. Get rid of this. Get rid of that. We've got to sink our teeth into all of that. We want Mike Harris part Majority government, Doug Ford. This is not Christine Elliott or, you know, Patrick Brown, someone who, you know, wasn't called a bill in a China shop. Doug Ford, majority government. This is your moment. First year of a majority. You may never get a second majority. And what do they tell us? They're not going to balance the books until year five. There's no such thing as a fifth year. It's a four-year term. So they're saying if you're good little voters and reelect us, We'll balance the books. And I get Kathleen Wynne left them with $13 billion or whatever accounting mechanism they want to put it for. But And Vic Fidelli, on your program yesterday, it was a very good interview, Alex. I, I, had, I spoke to the finance minister today. He explained to me, and I, I told him those concerns. We, we, we chatted about them. He explained how they got to the budgeting process. And he says, look, they made promises on the campaign trail. They want to give people the child, uh, the child care tax credit. I get it. There's some other tax cuts. Uh, there's expenses to uh, a job creation, $4 billion job. Uh, enhancement fund. I get all of that. They made a choice to not balance the books this term. They could have. They chose not to. And I think it's disappointing. Yeah. I mean, plus we don't know what's going to happen. Like if a recession hits in the next six months. Downgrade those projections. Yeah. And, and, and I think it'll be interesting to see, I guess we'll wait for Moody's or the credit rating agencies to see how they view this budget. Because if they downgrade us again, then it's just a sign of more of the same. We just voted this out. So... You know, I'm kind of, I see strategically why they did this. I think strategically, it's fine. I get it. You're trying to say to your, uh, you know, critics, gotcha. You know, you, you assume too much and you... you. But then you're defined by your critics. Right. And that's the problem. What do you want to be here for? I'm, I don't care about politics. I care about policy. I care about results. And, you know, you asked Mike Harris, Stephen Harper, what would you do differently? They've all said they would do more sooner because four years of your life, that term goes by very fast. Are we better off to have Ford than Kathleen Wynne on this file? You betcha, you know, a thousand percent. I mean, we're obviously very much going in the right direction, but I think someone's got to push them to do more because it it ain't going to be my friends at the Toronto Star and it ain't going to be the union activists. No, no, they're already talking about uh, strike action and and gearing up for the negotiations. Over what? Well, 
exactly. We'll talk a little bit about um, the gas stations. The gas stations across the province um, are facing steep penalties if they don't display the government-mandated sticker uh, with the cost of the carbon tax, according to new legislation put forward by the Ford government. You know, you can tell me we're open for business, but if you're forcing businesses to publish what I think amounts to, to you know, propaganda, not real, not real keen on that. Yeah, I'm of two minds of this. There's already a, a federal government sticker on the pumps that tells you the breakdown of the taxes yeah. that's supposed to be displayed to some degree. And I imagine there's some penalty if one does not comply with that because the rules are the rules. So this is a rule the provincial government has put in place. It, it's right. clearly, you know, we all know the price of the pumps are going up for that reason. I, I think it would have been better for the feds to have adjusted their federal sticker and include this part. Uh, in the taxes. So I, I, I support people being informed about this because, th- I mean, the carbon tax has to go and we have to be like Australia where we have it for two years and we realize it's a terrible idea and we get rid of it. But yeah, I, the way you set it up, it's certainly pretty icky. It's, well, it, I haven't seen them yet, but if it's got like a for the pee, if it's got any kind of... Picture Doug Ford well, drinking a $1 beer. Yeah. Look, beside the price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not cool, you know? Um, albeit, I don't really pay much attention to anything on the gas pump other than the price going up and up and up, which is happening this weekend as the summer uh, blend comes into effect. So actually, the gas prices are about to uh, spike, I think, to a shocking price for people. Um a Toronto councillor, Mr. Cole, Mike Cole, is introducing a motion that would ask the Alcohol and Gaming Commission to suspend the liquor licenses of bars where gun violence happens frequently. The problem, as you know, is gun crime is happening not just all over Toronto. It's not happening in just the bad areas. It's happening in Hamilton, Pickering, all over the place. These gangs are the no longer... The beaches. Lo- the beaches. Here's Mike Cole speaking earlier today. 87 shootings as of April 8th. This year, up to 90 shootings. Uh, We had 118 victims uh, last year at this time. This year, we're up to 143. Nothing to be proud of. Right. It's not nothing. It's not to be proud of. But look, we have no politician who has any any real desire to solve this. So to put the onus on business owners to solve a problem they can't solve to me is just not just lazy. It's irresponsible. I'm actually okay with this. Are you? But, I think but it's, we don't. Shootings don't just happen at some spots. They're happening in the middle of streets here. It's happening in King Street, the entertainment district. You know, this is a. And you know, when I first saw the story, Toronto Councillor puts forward motion. I was like, Oh my God, what are these quasi socialists doing now? I'm going to hate this. And I thought, <laughs> Oh, I'm actually okay with this because this is a city that has felt under siege at different times, particularly towards the end of last year, where the tally was getting up there. And we're just seeing these guns everywhere. And, you know, the federal idea, oh, we got to ban handguns. I mean, that's a non-starter because that isn't actually the issue here. It's the the legal guns. You look at all these different situations. This counselor is saying, I'm seeing this in my ward. We're at our wits end here. What are the added things we have in the toolkit? And if this is a discretion... I think he's in the, he's in the Lawrence Dufferin area. Lawrence yeah. area, yeah. If this is a discretionary toolkit thing where they can use it for these places where they know that these establishments are encouraging these guys. I mean, it's not like you go to a random Nando's chicken and everybody's sitting there, uh, you know, with their handgun, like, pardon me, I'll finish my chicken and then we'll go back and, you know, shoot each other. Like, it's different establishments, some of them, that are encouraging these characters who are more likely to be uh, doing shootouts there. So if this is one thing we can have in the arsenal, let's do it. It's like when they said, okay, you know, we got to... How do you go after that? I mean, one of the shootings that happened in his area happens to be near where my kid takes his Saturday morning sports things. It was a bowling alley uh, at at 10 o'clock in the morning. I mean, that is not an establishment or a problem area. And as we've seen, it'll happen on Queen Street, broad daylight. You know, you'll have a shooting out at a nightclub, but it's not in the club. It's outside. How can the club be put into 
the position of having to take responsibility for that. Well, to not foster an environment where it's welcomed, I would think. And that's where the discretionary factor comes in. Because if they're just randomly these guys who are in there... If the booze can, I understand. Yeah, I I mean, if they are fostering that environment, then you charge them with it. If it's clear they're not, then you don't. I look at it like the Giuliani broken windows theory right now. If there's a hundred different little things that we can do to tackle this from from different angles, let's go for it. But I'm with you that this is not, certainly not a a sort of one-size-fits-all solution. No, it's not going to stop it. But meanwhile, this report commissioned by the feds uh, to study a handgun um, ban. Uh, the, the title's a little, it's a little misleading. It says polarized. Canadians are polarized on support for a handgun ban in Canada. But, you know, 81% of those questions said, yeah, no, nothing more should be done. That's not polarizing. 80% said we don't want changes to handgun law- legislation. Yeah, because we know that this is just a futile thing to go and say that these law-abiding gun owners are somehow the problem. This is not the United States where we have a gun culture where everybody has multiple firearms and the laws are looser and they're kind of disappearing everywhere and people can be stealing them. I mean, this is a very tightly regulated uh, sector. And there's a lot of people that there are, it's surprising how many gun owners there are and how many firearms there are in Canada lawfully licensed. So Everybody knows somebody who has a firearms license, even if you're a downtown, you know, latte city dweller, you're going to know someone as well. So this idea that these people in your life are villains is just not true. No, I mean, to suggest that, look, I do not like guns. I would never own a gun, period. That's just me. But I do know lots of people who do it either for sports shooting, uh, hobbies. And I know a lot of uh, gun advocates or people. uh, And it's just, and I've covered enough courts in that to know that it's not the legal gun owners that are the problem. Therefore, you're never going to solve it. Now we've got the study in from the feds. It'll be interesting where they move now with this handgun ban that I think they thought would make all the conversation go away because it's not. And they should have known. Where did this come from? Again, talking about Bill Blair before, how he was embarrassing himself with uh, yeah. throwing around the white supremacy label. I mean, this is a guy who knows that this is not the yeah. direction to head down. Well, yeah, it's like you're being a lackey and just making me jump through hoots. He knows that this is not going to solve it. Um, I do want to talk to you about Winnipeg's whiteout street party. Uh, this is something that attracts <laughs> thousands of jet fans. <laughs> Fans downtown. They want to celebrate. This is a tradition, 30 years old, where they don white, head to toe, to support the Jets, and it's because the old uniform used to be white. And a group called uh, Black Space Winnipeg, which is a nonprofit organization lobbying for safe spaces for Winnipeg's black community, says the whiteout party should be changed, the name of it, because it triggers marginalized people. Here is the woman who runs that organization. <laughs> folks are feeling really defensive because we're they think we're attacking something that is a Winnipeg thing like we're attacking our home we're attacking you know the the Jets culture and we're not doing that we're getting people to think critically about it if it's like primarily like mostly white people coming downtown dressed in all white painting their faces white um I'm sorry that that's that's very concerning sometimes it's really not. Um, you know, people aren't feeling de- defensive. They're, feel, they're, they're sick and tired of being called racist, yeah, essentially. And, and, and like I was saying earlier, you know, things, you just have to laugh at this stuff. I but mean, you I, can't I, because, it, you know, the Edmonton Pride just got shut down uh, because of this political marginalization. We know that Toronto Pride, that thing is, has been, I think, really badly tainted by this political division by small activist groups. And we keep pandering to it. 
No, I, I mean, we have to laugh them out of town. I mean, how these people say, and they're not out of town. We just have to laugh them to tell them their idea is silly. I mean, how, how she's saying there, oh, like, we need to challenge you about the way you're thinking. No, you need to be challenged. You need to be challenged about the fact that when you wake up in the morning, you can't just go out and face the world as an adult, but you have to go and find the old white out. I mean, you know, Black Friday is discriminatory, white... Well, this, how, yeah, how is that? Black I mean, Friday not? I mean, well, I just, it's just any reference. Like, I don't know if these people realize that there are skin colors and there are also colors in, in the in the palette. And, and there's things called black and white and purple and green, and they're not the same thing. So I, I don't know if they realize that. Like when you say, oh, you should go get a white T-shirt. I'm not saying you should go do some Jeffrey Dahmer thing with like <laughs> Caucasian skin. I'm just saying you wear a white T-shirt. I mean, it's like people don't understand basic English language concepts anymore, or they're being deliberately obtuse and belligerent so they can make a spectacle out of themselves because their lives are actually very good and they have nothing real to complain about. So that's what I mean about laughing this out. I mean, I don't, I don't even want to give them uh, the dignity of, of taking this as a serious conversation because it's not. No, I mean, but it did certainly get a lot of blowback in Winnipeg. I mean, people there were pissed. I mean, they just want to go and have fun with their damn hockey team. They All they care about, literally, is if their team wins. There's no discussion in any of those sports parties at all about politics of any kind of nature. Not one person in that crowd is doing anything other than cheering or crying. It's one or the other. Uh, but it is a big industry. It is a big uh, lucrative industry for the, the activists. Yeah, I mean, race hustling has become a, a big thing this day and age more than ever. I mean, it used to just be Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, and now it's kind of like everybody gets a little cottage industry out of it. Which is unfortunate because I think it really does hurt the actual real issues. If you if you if you feel like you're going to be, um, you know, uh, browbeaten or, um, you know, accused of something, eventually you just stop listening. And, you know, it's funny, there's a new book out by a professor in the United States looking at hate crimes. And uh, and the Jesse Smollett case brought this research to the fore. And the majority of publicly sort of referenced hate crimes that get news coverage are hoaxes. The majority, Alex. Mm. I mean, thankfully, North America, people are getting along. There's been some negative things in our past. But these problems just are not actually there to the degree people think they are. So people have to wake up in the morning and get traumatized by some sports celebration. Like, it, I don't know. They're, they're, like these people, they're, they're not doing too well upstairs. <laughs> we'll stay tuned and see if they do the name change. I'm not sure it's going to happen for this one. Anthony, a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. That is Anthony Fury joining us tonight. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.